Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. I'm always touting the four types of freedom, time, financial, location, health freedom, and I'm always interviewing entrepreneurs, people on the cutting edge, impacting lives. So today's talk is going to be all about real estate. It's kind of our bread and butter, how it got started. And with that, I have a guest, uh, Justin Moy, and he's a passive real estate investing expert and his passion is real estate. He loves talking about it. And um, so I'm really happy to bring him onto the show. He's the host of Passive Real Estate Strategies and um, it's going to be a great conversation. So uh, Justin, welcome. Yeah, Dr. Christopher Liu, man, my friend, thanks so much for having me. This is going to be a, a jam-packed show. Um, if you're interested in passive investing in real estate, or if that's something you've done or something that you didn't even know was possible, because I didn't before I got into this space, then this is going to be a phenomenal show. Yeah. So, um, you know, real estate is, you know, kind of is kind of one of those tr one of the more traditional asset classes. So tell us more about yourself, your background, how you got started and what your company does. Yeah. So I've been a, a lifelong career real estate something. So when I was um, 18 years old, I started the process of getting my real estate license. And this was at the time in the third most competitive residential real estate market in the country, which is uh, kind of the San Francisco Bay Area. And I, I so as an 18, 19 year old kid, I was selling houses. I was selling houses because I hated college. I didn't want to go to school. I was the opposite of you. I was terrible at school. Um, and so I was looking for ways to make a lot of money without that because my parents had told me very conventional wisdom, hey, go to college, get an education. And, and they were right, you know, but there were just different styles that I that I liked. Um, so I was selling houses, making great, great money. But I started experiencing what I think a lot of people listening experience either have or are in the process of experiencing, and it was burnout. Uh, I was having that entrepreneurial burnout and whether you're an entrepreneur, you're a doctor or a lawyer, or you're an, and a consultant, these things just have a certain lifetime to them before you start to just get worn down. Um, so I was starting to experience that after a couple of years. And I, th I said, I have to stop being transactional. I have to build wealth. I have to start buying back my time. 
um, cause I had none and it was wearing on my personal relationships. And so that's when I decided to look into real estate as an investment strategy. And, you know, a lot of people, if they look at real estate as investments, there's a lot of barriers to entry, a lot. It could be money. A lot of times it's time, not just time to buy assets, but time to underwrite properties, do financial analysis, hire teams, uh, qualify for loans. I mean, there's an enormous process. So a lot of people just get stuck and they never take that step. So now I spend my time helping people uh, invest passively in apartment buildings for double digit returns and the best tax benefits this country has to offer. Yeah, it's quite interesting because, uh, you know, because I've I'm also a real estate investor and, um, you know, just looking at kind of like there's, you know, there's different ways, you know, you could be a agent such as yourself. And, you know, yeah. usually it's like, you know, you're making good money, you know, you're turning over properties and you're like a builder developer and like kind of landlord is like the slow way. And it's kind of the tedious way. It's like, you're, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, it is, it's got, it's got pros and cons, you know, it's got pros and cons, just like everything, but there's so many niches within real estate. Um, my passion ended up being ignited by the passive strategies. So there's a couple of passive strategies, uh, syndications, funds, REITs, turnkey investments, or some of those ones. Um, and my my biggest goal is just to bring more people in that space because I didn't know that there were passive strategies in the past. I thought I had to go look for deals, manage them, or give all my return to a property manager, fix and flip, you know, swing hammers. I thought I had to do all that stuff. So it's so great when somebody realizes, man, I could be truly passive and have all the benefits and keep my time freedom, time wealth, just like you mentioned earlier in the show. Yeah, it's interesting. And then, um, so, you know, um, I think most people are familiar now with passive strategies, but kind of, you know, for beginning or intro listeners, just kind of briefly, you know, kind of, I know syndications are kind of the big ones. So tell yeah. more about that and like the passive strategies. So, so what we do, um, the, the fancy term for it is a syndication. So what happens is if you ever see an apartment building, you know, that apartment building very well likely can be, you know, $10 million or, or more. Now for you to qualify for, to buy apartment building, you have to come up with, let's say, you know, 25% down plus 5% closing costs. Okay. On a $10 million building, Three million bucks right off the top before you ever even own the thing. Um, and then there's CapEx afterwards. If you're rehabbing it, that's additional costs. So a ton and ton and ton of money required. Now, what syndication does is it allows groups like us who are experts in this field, we love to buy, fix up, manage uh, apartment buildings. And it allows us to say, hey, we don't we don't want to put $3 million into one asset. Most people who have $3 million don't, don't want some kind of diversity, right? Um, so what we do is we open up that property, we say to our investors and we say, Hey, investors, we have this $10 million property. Here are the projected returns. Here's the business plan. We're opening up this property for investment in exchange for equity. So if you're going to invest, you know, $50,000, $25,000, $100,000 into this property, you get a hundred percent passive equity. There is no commitment on your time. You get mailbox money from, from appreciation and from rents. You get monthly updates on the property and its performance, um, and you sit back and it's truly 100% passive. So that's what we spend our time doing, opening up this phenomenal asset class to all the people around the country. Yeah. And what what, is it, uh, what does it take to invest in it? Kind of um, tell us more and how they can. Yeah. yeah, really, you know, to be a passive investor, what you have to do is, is just money. So first is you have to have money, something actual exchange for the equity. Um, the only commitment on your time is as much or as little as you want it to be. Most of that commitment is going to come in upfront due diligence. 
So when you're investing in a syndication, you're really investing in a few things. You're investing in first and foremost, the operator. It could be a group like ours. You got to know, like, and trust the operators because we're sort of getting in bed together. You're going to invest in, in what's notoriously an illiquid investment. So we want to make sure there's a good uh, a good match there. You're also investing in, of course, the property, um, the property being the, the apartment complex itself. And then you're investing in the business plan. You have to believe that we're the right team to execute on that business plan and make those projections come true. And then you're investing in the market in my opinion, in that order. So you have to do some upfront due diligence um, and whatever that amount of due diligence is totally up to you as an investor to decide what that is. But once your money is, is wired and you're funded and you get your equity, that's it. You get to step back, you get to look at reports, um, you get to ask questions of us, the operators, but nobody's gonna ever ask you to come out here and fly out to the property, swing some hammers. You don't need to sign on any loans. You don't need to have net worth requirements to qualify for loans, none of that. And, and I know, um, cause like, um, for example, there's uh minimums and there's accredited investor rule holding periods. So, you know, minimums are going to be, are going to differ per the operator. Um, our minimums typically are about 25. So, you know, pretty low barrier to entry considering your other options are to buy a home and put at this point, you know, 30, 35% down in this market. Um, so pretty good barrier, pretty low barrier to entry in terms of finances. And there are accredited versus non-accredited investors. So an accredited investor is actually defined by the SEC. It is um, a, a combined household income of $300,000 a year or $200,000 as an individual, net worth of a million dollars, not including your primary residence. Now, if you're an accredited investor, that's great. You will have some additional opportunities. If you're not, that's fine. There's groups like us who don't require accredited, accredited status. And you can still start getting your head in the game and, and start getting in there um, and investing. So if you are one, that's fantastic. There's some operators that only work with accredited investors, and that's for legal reasons. Um, but there's other operators like us who don't require that. Hmm. And uh, is there any, because um, you know, a lot of, um, you know, it's surprising, but a lot of uh, physicians are not accredited investors. So um, is, it, uh, is there any risk between being an accredited investor and, investing in uh with uh syndications that are don't require accredited investor status no there won't be a risk the the only thing that's different is from our perspective the operator's perspective there's different legalities that go into different offerings so one reason too why you may not hear a lot of these um like if you're hearing this for the first time ever and you're thinking like why why haven't i heard about this before like why is nobody talking about this it's because if you are not ex exclusively working with accredited investors, you cannot market offerings. You cannot market offerings to the public. You can only market offerings to your friends and family, kind of your own personal network. So if, um, you know, Chris, like you and me, now you're in my network. So if there was a deal that we had and I wanted to market it to you, that would be fine. But before we had this conversation, before I knew who you were, that wouldn't have been able to, to work. Um, unless you're only going for accredited investors. So there's not an additional risk from the investor side. It's more so the operations of the operators and how they want to work the legality of situations. Yeah. And what are the typical hold holding periods for uh, syndication? Yeah. Yeah. Most syndications, you're going to see some type of liquidation event um, five years or less, five years or less. 
Uh, now, depending on the business plan, so sometimes like we've bought vacant buildings where we'll fix them up, fill them up, and then you know sell them off or refinance them, and that might take you know two years or less. Uh, so look, it depends on the business plan. Now, what's great about the apartments too, and why I love it as opposed to you know public markets, is part of your return is in cash flow. So even if you end up stretching to that three, four, five year mark even longer you're getting return as it comes in because there's rent you're getting paid every month. So there's a blend of the way that your returns are paid out. And that'll differ based on the business strategy. Some business strategies, they'll have less cash returns. Some will have more. Some, if they need to be fixed up a lot, they might have no cash return for maybe a year or six months and then it'll start. So there's tons of different strategies out there. You know, and then um, the other question, you know, for people listening is, um, so, you know, there, we've seen a lot of risk this past year, a lot of um, collapses. What uh, what are the risks um, associated with syndications and how can they mitigate them? Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to syndications, you know, like I, I mentioned when I was talking about what you're you know investing in first, and most people will agree on this that are really in the space is you're investing in the operator. You have to really do some due diligence on the operator, their teams, their company, how they're structured, um, because some of the, a lot of the risk are if the operator truly knows how to manage an asset, if they all, if they truly know how to make their business plan come to fruition, if they really know how to underwrite properties, because on paper you can make any deal look good or look really good or look really bad, but does the operator actually have the ability to make that come true? And did they underwrite into, into tight boxes? So what we've seen now is a big risk is a lot of operators investing in, let's say they buy a property in Phoenix, which has been just an on fire market, right? I think they had like 22% rent growth for the last few years or something crazy. And some people are factoring in that rent growth to continue. And those are the people that are in a ton of trouble right now because we're seeing rent start to normalize. 22% growth is not normal and it's not sustainable. The operators who maybe were a little bit less experienced thought that trend would continue, and now them and their investors are in a tight spot. So make sure that your operators really know what they're doing, really know how to underwrite properties, and really have experience on executing these business plans. And then, you know, basically, it's uh, basically in trading for pa passivity, you're basically putting it into the operator. So, you know, yeah. you want to make sure that operator. Yeah. Is yeah. And it's, it's a leverage strengths, right? Because chances are, unless you're a full-time real estate investor, us and our team very, very, very likely have more knowledge in the space. We're more educated on the space. We're keeping up with the latest trends. We're underwriting deals every day. We're qualifying for financing every day. I mean, we have that strength and your strength as a listener or an investor, maybe that you're a doctor, like that's your strength. You don't have to come home from being a doctor for 12, 15 hours a day and then start looking at deals and underwriting properties. I mean, nobody wants to do that. So we're able to leverage each other's strengths and really access investments that in the past have never been able to be accessed by retail investors. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's a really good uh, kind of broad overview. Um, tell us now, you know, especially today's economy, why, what's the problem with traditional retirement accounts and why we need yeah. alternative investments? Yeah, there's there's a really, really, really big problem with traditional retirement accounts. And I'll tell you what it is by the numbers. So I don't know if you or your listeners have heard of the 4% rule, but in the financing world, that's essentially whatever you have invested, you should be able to live off of 4% of it per year. Now, that 
doesn't really amount to a lot of payout for the amount that you need. So there was a study done that concluded there were only about 8% of the country here in America, only about 8% of people qualified to be labeled as a millionaire. Now that includes their investments. If you wanted to retire off of $50,000 a year and you need to live off of only 4% of your investments, that means you need to have over $1.2 million invested. Well, if we look at the numbers, that means 92% of people are looking to either retire poor, because that's the plan that we've been pitched, or they're going to have to figure something out. Fidelity also did a study that saw more than half of people right now with children are hoping and expecting that their children are part of their retirement plan, helping them in some way. Yeah. Now, that's what the public market has been delivering because we've been on this crash course. Really, when we talk about public markets, we're looking at the stock market, right? That's like the traditional, that's the public market. The stock market since the 80s and the 90s has been so much more volatile that returns aren't what they used to be. In the 80s and the 90s, over that 20-year period, there were, I believe, 16 years of double-digit growth in the stock market. And I'm talking about indexes. So a significant portion of double-digit returns, and I think only two years of loss. And then the other years were just single-digit returns. So you couldn't lose in the public markets in the, in the 80s and the 90s. Since the 2000s, we've seen that start to stutter and fall significantly significant more volatility. And it, it's really big because even though you might be averaging a positive in the long run, once you count for inflation, once you count for any fees that go to managing your public investments, and once you count for time in market where you don't have access to that money, your returns are shockingly low when compared to private sector investments where you know it's very common to see high double-digit returns, not including tax benefits. Yes, yeah, so uh, it's basically because, you know, especially more frequently, we're seeing market crashes. Um, that's another way that wealth is confiscated, is transferred. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, I talked to a lot of the, um, some of the smartest people, They and they always hold private investments, real estate, art, and that's kind of like their head. They always have insurance. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's huge because here's another little, you know, dirty little secret about some of the public investments is, even if they show you an average positive return, that actually doesn't mean you always made money. So very, very, very simple and quick math problem for you. If you put in $100,000 into a public investment and that first year you lose 10%, right? So now your portfolio is down to 90,000. Now the next year you gain 10%. Technically you're averaging 0%, but in reality you lost because it's not a gain of 10% of your original $100,000 investment, it's a gain of 10% of your now 90,000. So even if your portfolios or your retirement accounts are showing, well, an average annual positive, it doesn't always mean there's more cash in the account because it doesn't factor in your loss. Mm. So that's another little secret that, that you know some people, once they get more advanced into the financial world, they understand and it just drives them to look at private investments. Really uh, fascinating discussion. I, I'm going to conclude with um, one last uh, question: Is um, you know where does where does real estate, passive real estate, uh, active um, fit within the current market right now? Yeah, I think you have to look at the fundamentals of what you're investing in. So in the current market right now, there's a lot of volatility in in, in the lending markets, which impacts real estate. 
Now that that means there's going to be fewer opportunities, but there's going to be better ones. There are people in groups and us included who are might buy half as many properties this year as we did last year, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. We're going to see a lot of distressed sales this coming year because um, a lot of short-term loans are going to come due and they can no longer afford to refinance into these three times as high rates as they are projecting. Um, and we're going to see a lot of distressed opportunities. So real estate will fit. It, you'll probably see less activity this year, but the activity you do see, those are great opportunities. We want to take advantage. How can people contact you, follow you, check out your website? Check out your yeah. podcast. Yeah, the best thing to do if you're interested in learning about passive real estate strategies or investing, a couple of things. I have a podcast, Passive Real Estate Strategies, or I have an ebook. It's called The Definitive Guide to Passive Real Estate Strategies. It's at the then you'll also see my information there. Once you once you download the book, you'll get an email with my info there. Um, I'll send you a, a welcome video, a custom welcome video. So I love to talk to real estate investors. If you want to be educated on passive investing, we'd love to speak to you. And for the audience out there, um, let's thank Justin for giving a nice flavor uh, to passive real estate investing. It's a really interesting way of diversifying your portfolio. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And um, thanks for his knowledge. Be sure to check out his um, website. He's also on LinkedIn. Um, and all of the resources will be in links and show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the show. Thank you. This has been fantastic. Much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.